Demoin and Dragons player characters. Episode 2. Charity and Tim. Why is the slider so flat? <laughs> A normal thing to say. No, I, it's fucking out of tune. It's, it's strange. fucking flat. It's flat. Uh, be flat. Welcome, everyone, to a show that I haven't done in two years. Uh, it's a show oh where I was talking to... Uh, gamers and RPG players and friends and folks that I find their opinions on things interesting or cool. So uh, today I have with me in the Des Moines and Dragon Studios, Charity and Tim Overton. Well, I'm I'm not an Overton. Oh yeah, Charity Coons. <laughs> Thank you. Charity and Tim Coons. <laughs> <laughs> it's recent. It's within the last 30 seconds. Uh, do you guys know anything about this show or the format of it? I think I listened to the first uh, little bit of the one with Jordan. Cool. Yeah, I just like want to bullshit with you guys about games and like yeah. games that you're playing, characters that you've played. Um, and then a bunch of people asked us questions. Well, asked you guys questions. So I'll, I'll spit those your way. Aww. I think firstly... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's like a lot of people that listen to our content that actually don't know anything about you two in real life. Good. Aww. And oh, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So Let's just skip this part. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make this really easy. So charity. Yeah. Uh <laughs> we'll yeah. start with you because you're more pliable. Uh Ew. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> Aw. Uh. <laughs> that's a new one. <laughs> Aw. 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 Okay. Uh Charity, what um what's what's your story? What's your deal? Like what 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 if um I'm really good at this. In case, what's your deal? What's, what's your, your deal? deal? <laughs> what's the deal with pancakes and why aren't they waffles? Charity, thoughts? Your I, thoughts on this one. I much prefer pancakes to waffles. That's oh. fucking wrong. There you go, listeners. That is Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't I'm not crazy about syrup. So to me, a waffle is just a syrup holder. Yeah, that's what makes it great. No. A pancake is just a it's just like kind of sweet bread. Yeah. But like a donut that's does that but way better. No, I don't like donuts either. Donuts are too sweet. I'm watching a friendship fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> this is sad. This is over. Get the fuck out of my house. Oh, Paul and I are breaking up. Oh, uh, it's fine. It was bound to happen eventually. But Charity, um, can you tell us uh, in your own words, like wh what was your first exposure to D and D and um, games like that? I mean, board games, maybe. Like, did you play D and D in high school? What's what's your deal? Um, I definitely did not play D and D in high school. Uh, I definitely like made fun of kids who played D and D in high school. Okay, cool. <laughs> that was me. But look at me now. Now, now you're hanging out with the people you yeah. made fun of. I, yeah. What a fall. What a yeah. fall from absolute wow. grace. Yeah. Look at me. This is tragic. <laughs> this is Anakin Skywalker level. <gasps> tragic. Oh man. oh man. No, but I, I, I never played D and D, but I didn't really know much about it. Mm -hmm. So 
I thought that it was like 40-something-year-old dudes in sweatpants with a lot of butt crack. You ain't wrong. In the basement, <laughs> like, like pretending to be wizards. I think you nailed um, it. Yeah, I think you summarized a lot of it. I mean, look at the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in slippers, not trying to brag. I am. I would want nothing less than slippers. Tim has a lot of butt crack hanging yep. out. All crack. <laughs> All crack, no whack. No whack. <laughs> Did you... Uh, so sorry, you were... Um, yeah, so uh, I never played D&D until this podcast, but my family were huge board game people. Mm-hmm. We love board games, so we we always had like a specific cupboard in our house, so it was like all the board games. Um, and whether I played them correctly <laughs> or not... Sort of beside the point. Yeah, yeah, like I, my family, we played a game of Monopoly the other day, and it was the first time that I had played Monopoly correctly in my entire life. Like, I used to just get the little pieces out and, like, So that is a horrible game. Like, Monopoly is a nightmare game. The guy who made it designed it to be bad, to prove the ails of capitalism. Well, he's succeeded. Yeah. yeah. It was really, I mean, it was fun, but, like, it. the game lasted for, like, five and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, once a person gets in the lead... Yeah. It's so hard. And that's capitalism. Yes. That was literally the yeah. whole point. <laughs> it's just You and, got it. And then you just die slowly. Yeah. yeah. It's just every turn, like yeah. more and more. I, well, I guess I have to sell this property. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end I was so sad. Like yeah. that game of Monopoly like fucked me up. My it was my my whole family came over and we were playing it at the kitchen table and it was like like something that my family hasn't done in a long time. And it felt really cool, but at the end of it I was like, I'm going to Bed. You yeah, guys this fucking game. Suck. This game fucking sucks. Good thing it's yeah. just a game. Yeah, <laughs> and not literally Real how life. everything works. Uh, yeah. What other games? Um. What other games? So my family had we played a lot of video games too. Cool. But like old video games. So we had uh, we had a Nintendo sixty four. Sick. That my brother and I fought over. Uh. Until this Christmas, and my brother bought me one of my own. Oh wow! Um, oh, super great, like the like the Soup's sweetest, mm-hmm. uh, the most rad Christmas present ever. And I was so excited, and he bought me my favorite Nintendo sixty four game, which is Pokemon Snap. Oh hell yeah! Oh, yeah, hell that game yeah. is so good, and I don't really know why. Get oh. so baked and take pictures <laughs> yeah. of Pokemon, dude. Yeah. yeah. What a great job that kid had. Yeah! Yeah, just like, all right, hang out. But then again, like, was it Professor Oak? Was that the guy? He just sent, is some other professor? It was Professor Oak, I think, or maybe Elm. I don't know, I think it was Oak. Oak. He just sends some kid out in this, like, remote control car. Ride this mine cart. Yeah, yeah. Beware for all of the monsters that could actually Go through this volcano. Oh, the volcano level, yeah. Because wear your a, shorts. There was a wear your shorts. Throw apples. <laughs> throw apples at the lava. At the lava. <laughs> I think we've really touched on something here. That there's a lot of. Oh, it's the best. And then you get to the end. You get to see Mew. I'm trying to remember what. Oh man, sorry. Spoilers. Yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll put a spoiler tag. We got. We got to play that sometime because it's my favorite. One of my favorites of all time, for sure. Pokemon Snap is so good. Oh, Pokemon Snap is great. Yeah. Uh, Star Fox yeah. 64, really great. That game holds up. Hell yeah. Um, Super, uh, Mario 64, obviously. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. That's the my favorite game to watch speedruns of. Great speedrunning. So good. Speed really runs. cool. 
Oh man, let's just do a podcast about talking about speed running. Yes, we should. They just had should. AGDQ 2020. If you guys don't know about this, it's awesome games done quick. This is something I'm super into and watch every video every year. It's a marathon where they have a bunch of speedrunners from all over speedrun a bunch of games and they raise money for a cancer foundation. Uh-oh. And so your people donate, they, they stream Uh-oh. 24 hours for like three days yeah. or something. And they just run a shitload of games. And it's super awesome. I w- 64 parts awesome. I watched them run the uh, one of the, the final games they ran was, uh, it, I think it was Impossible Super Metroid. So it's a, yeah, it's a, a ROM hack yeah. of... Metroid to be made even harder mm-hmm. than Whoa. that game was already really yeah. difficult. It's such an amazing thing because like that whole community has spawned so much of what's great about gaming now, like Super Mario Maker and Super Mario Maker 2. Mm-hmm. Those are things because people were doing ROM hacks of classic Mario games and would make their own levels. And they were called, you know, like or they fucking sweet. Kaizo levels, I think. Yes, yeah. that's what I th- I'm pretty sure that's what yeah. it's called. We'll and have someone write So Nintendo was like, we should just make Fact that the check. game. And now it's like that's one of my new favorite things is watching people speedrun, they do relays of Super Mario Maker levels. Yeah. So like teams of four, they rotate every death and it's like a relay of who can get through this brand new level no one's ever seen before the fastest. <laughs> The Ghosts and Goblins speedrun is really levels. good, too. Ghosts and Goblins is great. If you got nine hours, you could watch a Pokemon Blue run. Oh, yeah. Well, nine nine so, hours? <laughs> they're, they're long. They're but long. It's yeah. incredible that Final someone... Fantasy. and But they have strategies for everything, and they have they like optimal routes. They can talk the whole routes. time. Oh, yeah. They play that game so much. They know so much about like how the game works on a software level. They know all the lore. They know stuff about the people who made it. It's so interesting if you like games at all. Definitely watch that because you're listening to experts talk about something that they're genuinely passionate about. Well, Tim, let's segue this over to you now. Oh, so okay, we've heard fine. we've heard from Charity and like what her deal is. What's what's your deal? <laughs> My deal? What was your exposure to D and D prior to the podcast? None. I had never played D and D before the podcast. I had done stuff before where I would like play pretend with kids, right? Like that kind of thing, but like never with a game system or tabletop anything mm, yeah i yeah. did play i think at one point um I, I played a round of call of cthulhu and i was very fortunate to have a uh what are they called in cthulhu the master oh they're uh no oh my god um i know you know this yep oh this is gonna bother me <laughs> it's not warden it's not overlord it's not it's not like game master or something no it's something like dark and sinister yeah yeah i'm gonna look it it's up it's very lovecraftian right because of course Cthulhu extremely is the, and I, I so i had the, the pleasure of having someone who had been playing the game since it had come out who had been running games and going to conventions for a very long time Damn. and i had such a fun time going insane with my friends and then you know like i would get into improv and stuff later on and then kind of come back around to this idea of role playing or imaginative play I love that. I love that phrase. Yeah. Imaginative play. I think that's mm-hmm. the key. I think that people struggle the most with the idea of like actually using their imagination and feeling comfortable with making choices from their imagination. Because I think so much of life is like, that's stupid. Why did you do that? <laughs> like, Dude. I remember this one time I was playing at my friend's house. He had this great big house and this great big basement and we would have Nerf gun wars. <laughs> and at one point, cool. we were like, I was, we were like hunkered down behind a table and I just went, I'm scared, Sarge. And it, play stopped and they're like why did you say that yeah <laughs> and i was just i was just having so much fun i like got into a character because we're having a pretend battle right, right. <laughs> and so i got it and they fully like stopped play judged me shut that down and i was like oh well i won't do that again i'll never make that mistake again well that's one of those rules in playing D that you need to 
encourage people that it's like a safe space to yeah. Yeah, yeah. to do a weird voice to play a gender that maybe you don't actually identify mm-hmm. as like it's a place where you can do things that you like I think the cool thing about D&D is that you can or RPGs as a whole is that you can make it whatever you want it to be without yeah. consequence yeah. so was, I totally agree yeah there were so many moments in Awakening where like I would not have felt comfortable like screaming at Jason across the table <laughs> if we hadn't spent so much time yeah. like building the relationship that Fighting. we had yeah, and and like knowing that I could go there, I could go there yeah. with him, and then at the end be like, <laughs> "I love you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you it's know? a weird, it's a weird thing that it does to people because yeah. it, like, in a way, is just a glorified icebreaker and team building exercise. Yeah. And if you do that for over a year, oh, weird, you, you have like a good become team. friends with people <laughs> yeah. and you have like this <laughs> dynamic. And, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, um, I think yeah. I totally agree. D&D in particular ha- is very helpful. So like we're talking about identity and stuff and I feel like I'm taking this class right now. I'm in grad school. I'm, I'm taking performance studies. And one of the things that we're going to talk about right away is identity and how uh, identity is what you perform every day. Mm-hmm. And so literally this is a chance for people to like just even just to talk that like to say things that aren't part of like what you are, you know, the acceptable list of things to say, like, Oh, this weather we're having, you know, and like, Oh, how's your mother and how's school? Like the, the, like the stock conversation pieces where they can actually explore an idea and say something that's from their own heart, from their own mind. You know what I mean? Well, definitely it's, uh, and I mean, like you said, it's this ability to, um, I don't know. I, I think you spend a lot of your adult life trying to make sure that you insulate yourself, like who you are from the world, mm-hmm. because that's the most sensitive part of you, the part that you don't show to most anyone, maybe except the most intimate partner you have in your life. Uh, and D&D allows you to explore that stuff in a space where uh, you are free from criticism and free from uh, scrutiny that would be put on you otherwise. Yeah. Um, I sometimes I feel like I struggle with that. Uh, I I feel like I can. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Like and I, I don't feel it so much when I play Frankie, um, because I feel like even though we're in outer space and it's like way in the future, I feel like the characters that we've created are a lot more grounded in real like our reality versus awakening. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was Ornella, I was like, I could fucking say whatever I want. Sure, it's I'm a good like, mask. I'm like, it's not real. Mm-hmm. This world is totally made up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can I can fucking do whatever I want. Yeah. And that was and I don't feel like I ever got cocky. I don't feel like any of us ever got ever like pushed that line. Right. Where you're like taking advantage of right, the... right, right, right. But it was just it was really freeing. Yeah. To be able to explore different parts of myself uh in, yeah. in in this world that was like totally made up and like how often can you do that monopoly you know <laughs> <laughs> we should that's uh i wonder what that would well but that's the thing that monopoly so monopoly do not does not have mechanics to when you talk about this is like a game design thing but yeah. when you talk about like what makes a good game the mechanics feed into the way you play and the way you play feeds into the narrative that exists behind the way you yeah, play shapes the game and there's no mechanics in monopoly mm-hmm. that encourage that right. sort of play so yeah. why would you i can't like pass legislation to change some of the rules of monopoly within monopoly you know yes i can't i can't write my own tax code for monopoly however i if i can make a suggestion to anyone playing settlers of Catan. oh yeah 
pretend you're a diplomat for a country and it becomes a totally different game. Totally. Like, I played this with my friends years ago before we got way more ridiculous and outlandish board games. It was like one of our first board games that we all played together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out that I was losing really bad, but I had cornered the sheep market. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I devised a way... For the other players that were losing too, because it was uh, a, a, a game of six. I had the expansion to me. <laughs> you really got her with it. I know. I, I was like watching for it. I cornered the sheep market and it's like just. But I did. So like I. He but, did. But sheep, he did. but sheep are like useless in the late game. I don't know how this material is working, but. I am crushing. You're really crushing. <laughs> Sorry, that no, was it's really okay. funny. No, it's okay. No, I don't apologize for laughing. Uh, You're just such a sheep farmer. <laughs> I was just, I'm just a oh, wow. simple sheep farmer in Catan. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I made a trans Catan partnership where me and the other players that were losing agreed to exclusively trade advantageously yeah. between each other. Yeah, you had a and trade treaty. At the top of every like X person's turn, we would hold a summit where we would decide how we were going to trade. Oh man, it was really cool, and like the, the mechanics do not support that at all. But if you just consciously decide, well, I'm going to roll. We're going to make this the UN, and uh, nice. That's one of the nerdier things I've ever done. Was pretended to be in the United Nations I love of that. Catan. I don't have any tissues for my laugh tears. Oh, I can. Going to have to remedy that. Yeah. Well, we'll. Uh, before we get into the questions, I can run to get some so, some stuff upstairs. If I could recommend some board games. I've, there's definitely been like a renaissance since I've started playing board. I think for a lot of people, Catan was that game that you get into board games. Oh yeah, yeah oh for sure. So the gateway a, game. Oh for sure, mm -hmm. gateway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I've been playing with a group of friends now who collect serious amount of board games. But I've really enjoyed Cosmic Encounters. Have you guys? Seen that? No, I've that? heard of I've heard of it though. Super it's like fun. A list. Of, it's it's on every like not everyone, but it's it's usually on a list One of, the of top, top games. games. Yeah, yep. for sure. And it's it it's called? very fun. it's called Cosmic, Cosmic Encounters. Tight. Yeah, you play as unique alien race that has some trait that changes an aspect of the rule system. What? And so each race is unique, and there's like a, a lot of races, and uh, you try to uh, colonize uh, the other players' planets and whoever colonizes five planets the fastest wins unless you have an alien race that presents a different win condition. It's very fun, very interesting, and it's that little aspect of role-playing of like taking on the personality of the alien race. Like These aliens are all like this, and these aliens are like this, and it's kind of implied in the name with them. So you get a little bit of that mm -hmm. with, with, uh, with Cosmic Encounters. I want to steer this... Uh. Back to role playing for a second, because I think you guys both have a really unique perspective. Oh my God, Winnie! <laughs> if you can hear me, which you can, <laughs> stop. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure my neighbors are home and doing something ridiculous outside. Probably nefarious. Yeah, probably nefarious. Probably illegal. Mm -hmm. Alert, uh. police. <laughs> uh, no, the so. <laughs> But you, you two have a unique perspective Thank in role-playing games because you're you are improvisers. Mm -hmm. You were improvisers before you were like tabletop role-playing yeah. gamers. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what that experience is like going from like talk me through going from 
the stage to the table and like different things that you bring to the table that you would, because there's a lot of things that are the same. I think we all know that like yeah. there's improvisation in D and D. Yeah. But what sure. are other things that you bring to the table um, that maybe you don't bring to the stage that you use in D and D? Oh, okay. I think what's interesting, I think for both of us, the table came to the stage. We started doing LARP. And yeah. mm-hmm. we Andrew, literally Andrew Pearson's yes. show. And yep. I never great. did it. You did not. It was a oh. little. It was a little bit before my time. Okay. I, I watched it, but I never performed. You in did it. see it. Okay, mm-hmm. so that was it yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Was literally there was a, a table on the stage, so it was a live show meant to entertain and tell a story. And there's also this kind of like we we play short form games with improv, and so there's this uh, small game mechanic where dice is rolled to kind of determine the outcome of a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's that's literally it. There were no stats for our characters. There was nothing right. like that. We had a big cardboard die, and it, we kind of you know talked ahead of time that like we're gonna make big choices, just like you always do in improv. You want to make big choices, and then we'll roll this die to see how that choice will pay off. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of that element. Like if we were playing a game like uh, slips or something, the audience call in where. You know, we have lines of dialogue ahead of time that we kind of pepper into it. We kind of peppered this mechanic into the story that we were telling and looked at it like telling a story through a show. And I think that's what I bring to the table is thinking of it as a performance and trying to tell a story. So 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 you're saying like the performance aspect Mm -hmm. is really like the difference between playing at the table and playing, quote, on the stage. Uh, So. Charity, do you find that, uh, I guess, firstly, which is easier, which comes easier for you, uh, D&D or improv? Oh, no. I don't know. Gotcha. That's a hard question. It's like Frost Nixon right now. Oh, my God. I just ambushed you. Um, I don't even know if I can compare the two. Mm-hmm. Um, because with improv, even though... You know, I've been playing like with the teams that I'm on. I've been playing with them for a long time and I feel very comfortable with them. There's still just like a level of comfortability that I feel with, especially the three of you, uh, Jason included, who's not here right now, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, He's at band practice. He's at band practice. Super chief. Nerd. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's the nerd. Shut up. Got him. (laughs) No, you're right. I'm not here to defend himself. Um, But like... There's a like I was saying. There's a level of comfortability that I feel, especially with the three of you, and even with our um, Tim and I's D and D group that we have that is usually meets on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's who's in that? That's Tedford. So runs yeah. Tedford runs it, and it's Matt Still and the two of us, mm-hmm. and then um, Elias. But Elias, he just but he group. just left. So Moving. it was like a natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we finished our arc. Our, like first oh, cool. arc. It, yeah. it was actually great. Chris ran uh, a campaign that's available. I think it's the Minds of Fandelver. I think yeah. It's available yeah. For people's like first run. It's, it was It's in the starter kit. First adventure. Yeah. I, I tell everyone that's, I, I think I literally told Tedford this, like that gate, that uh, module is really great. Oh, it's awesome. Starting because it's yeah. so open that yeah. you can literally quit running like you can quit the quest of that game at any time totally and like do your own thing and the game sort of supports that yeah 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 but anyway but I, so yeah what i'm saying is, is, that, is that like i feel and i don't know what it is hmm. and maybe it's just the fact that it it is a little bit more structured than improv maybe mm-hmm. that's why i feel that way mm-hmm. for sure um but i feel way more comfortable at the table 
than I do on stage, which is saying a lot because I pre- I feel pretty fucking comfortable on stage. Yeah, I've I've seen you do a lot of stuff on stage, yeah. stand up <laughs> and improv, yeah. and sketch, and yeah, yeah, you do a lot. You're very multi talented in that way. So to hear you say that the that the table's easier, that's interesting to me. So the structure really helps inform and like add a certain level of expectation that you're like, oh, I know what this is going to be like because it follows these sets of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, along those same lines, I, I really like, uh, like in, when it comes to improv, I really like mono scenes. I really like uh, improvised Long, plays yeah. and movies because I like to play the same character all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the character development and I like the arc. And I, I feel like you, or I feel like me as an improviser and as an artist, I, I feel more of a payoff at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, once I've completed like an arc in, you know, like a 20 minute improv scene or mm-hmm. whatever. Like that oh, yeah. feels better to me. When you get um, to put a neat little bow on it at the yes. end, that feels like yes. you're, it does make you feel like you're a wizard. Like yes. how did we get from here to here? And it all made sense. Exactly. Well, you went in a circle. It's called an arc, right? Like right. it's literally it. And it is mystifying. It's so funny. Cause yeah. like we know what it is. We've done so many of these, but it is ultimately this simple idea that you kind mm-hmm. of end up where you started, but just a little different. Yeah, that's why the Herald will be will forever yeah. be my favorite mm-hmm. uh, form of improv. Do you feel like not having a like live audience looking at us changes the comfortability? Oh, c- great question. Definitely, I definitely feel that way in the moment. Because again, where I'm like, I can fucking be like sweaty, red face, like <laughs> yeah. screaming at Jason from across the table, <laughs> yeah. and the you two bozos are the only one looking at me. <laughs> uh, but then I, but then it's it like keeps me up at night because I'm like, oh yeah, so many people are listening to oh, my man. voice, and I hate, I hate the sound of my own voice. Yeah, ah! yeah, I've had several people from the other podcast ask me like, what do you, what do you do to get over listening to yourself? And <laughs> a lot of it is just. You have to stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just have to You just have to just go. That you're gonna hate it. It's one of those things of, like, yeah. how can I totally control my own thoughts? Well, you can't. And so can't. you just have, I mean, like, that's what meditation's about, right? You, you let it come, you let it go. I just, about. we just did a show Saturday, and I mm-hmm. recorded it on the laptop, and so I, I watched it back, and I fucking hate watching myself. Oh, And I hate listening baby. to myself. And there were so many choices that I made. I was like, you, you're a fucking asshole, Tim. Yeah. Like, what are you dumb asshole? I really hate listening to myself, but I refuse to watch myself. Yeah. I will not watch a video of myself doing anything. Yeah. So I watched the season finale all the way through because I. Oh, you did it. I well, haven't. I haven't. I did it. It's it's so good. And Tim, no, it's great. To your point about the audience uh, kind of changing the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- it does. Did you notice we stepped up the play for the finale? Yeah. I mean yeah. it like out of the gate was <laughs> I, it was so cool and i'm it's such a a weird uh humble brag to be so proud of a thing that we made and that i like helped make it it's, seems it's, really narcissistic it's not a, it's I like not a midwestern thing, thing to be yeah. proud of yourself no it's, it's like terribly you hey, made art fuck you 2020 we're getting over this imposter syndrome shit yeah, yeah. that's what we're doing that's my goal we're that's from my somewhere, resolution what um the show is like just so cool yeah. and the uh everyone on stage um was or on stage sitting at the table uh really like just crushed and totally the the energy was there. The energy, the right? Yeah. So like then from the stakes. The theater theater nerd in me um, in college 
uh, pursuing a theater degree only to work as a computer technician in his 30s. But that's fine. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm glad I did all that. But mm-hmm. I would have a director who would constantly, like a note you would constantly get is to always be raising the stakes and everything needs to be heightened and important. Because yeah. if mm-hmm. you if you on stage don't think it's important, the audience has even right. less of a exactly. reason. Yeah, then it's not important and who cares? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But you all did a wonderful job of making every decision feel like... Yeah. Literally, I mean, in this fake made-up game, right. the world was resting on your choices. Yeah. But you, as actors, chose to <laughs> to agree that that was the space we were in, which helped elevate it to be really cool. And that's something that, like this <laughs> medium, I think I think that's why what we do yeah. is neat. Yeah. I remember when we were filming the live, like the season finale, and it was after I think it was after the second break. We were about to go into the third part, and you, me, and Jason just like tore ass outside, and we were like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" <laughs> we were standing outside, like in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it was like drizzling. Yeah, and the three of us were like holding each other's hands, and we were yeah. like, "This is it. Yeah. In an hour, this is all going to be over." Yeah, and we were very nervous about what the right choice would be. We were. Like, how do we clean this up? And like we were, we were so worried about putting that button on it and and how it was going to end. And it was that was such a cool moment. I think for the three of us. No offense, Paul, but like none taken. <laughs> you you knew how it was going to end, or you had some idea. Yeah, there was only like a certain amount of things. Right, like, there's only a few variables. Uh, right, for there's reasons a, of structure. But like exactly. we we also kind of knew the same information, right? We knew what the stakes were. Right, and so like. I, there was part of us that was like we were kind of nervous about making a good show and like we have this audience, right. but then there we were genuinely nervous about like our characters in the yeah, game and exactly. like we like I felt I mean I, I like I feel like we all knew what the stakes were by the end of it mm-hmm. and so making that choice was like we well, we can't just like ask Paul like what should we do <laughs> right or, right you know, it's like what's it's totally up to us and it's a big decision. So um, this, you know, to to tie this back into. Well, and I, I just of, need to say too, sorry, no, uh, that, like the 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 trap is, oh, we're so important, right? And that like this is the most important thing or whatever, or like, well, we're so great, I guess, is as that kind of idea that mm-hmm. like the stakes. This is the most important story ever told, right? Yeah. yeah. But like none of us really feel that way about it. But no. like it's okay that we made something and we like it and we're invested in it. And it's yeah. great that other people happen to be invested in it too. Well, I think if you don't care about it, that's when it like right. becomes And that's what you're why saying. would anyone why right. why would anyone else care about it, right? Right. But the fact that you were able to embody and inhabit that space is mm-hmm. what made it worthwhile. Yeah. Made it fun. And it's a fun, cool little thing. But I wanna yeah. tie this back to our overall conversation about like just uh gaming and in RPGs in general. Uh so this experience of of making very few people, and you will find this when you ask people to play tabletop role-playing games, very few people get the chance to conclude an arc to yeah. a story. Yeah. So I'm interested as my players, but also as people in general that play tabletop role-playing games, yeah. um, what, uh, I guess, what are some things that helped you make this an enjoyable experience and an enjoyable arc? Right, like, what were the things that you did as a player to uh, make sure that that stuff was happening? Like, were there choices that you made? Were there um, were there things that you would write down? Like, were there 
personality traits in your character that helped make that stuff happen? Because it's for me personally, uh, the enjoyment of a role playing game is taking a character at the beginning of the game and leaving them kind of as a blank slate with a few quirks. And then by the end of the game, you have this really dynamic and interesting person with all of these conflicting qualities to them. Because I, for me, the best uh, type of character is one that in a lot of ways is hypocritical because we're all hypocritical. We have, we have values, but sometimes we don't always. Like, we're not lawful good paladins. We don't go to work every day and do exactly right. like what we believe. And I think exploring that space in characters is fun. Mm-hmm. So I guess to maybe make it more specific, uh, what, what did it feel like to wrap up a game and to, to quite, I told you guys ahead of time that we weren't going to continue the story of these characters and that going forward, if we do revisit this place, you're not going to play these characters again. Cause I don't want, we've explored that. Like let's do other things. What was that like to end a campaign? <laughs> I think uh, I think you're about to cry. Um, <laughs> I think Charity's about to. I'm not. I'm not about to cry, even though the characters and the story that we told is it was it was and it is really important to I me. I could cry. Yeah, it yeah. was, and it there was like a lot of things going on externally that yeah. like. I really felt like Ornella like dragged Charity the person like by her hair like through that. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> and we had this talk about like unhealthy attachments to our characters, mm-hmm. and I promised that I'm fine. Um, <laughs> you seem fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but as for going back to like your original question here, of, like what choices did we make? Yeah, what I guess what mattered, and like you can be specific to Ornella. What were the things yeah. that mattered in Ornella's like chronology from the beginning of the game to the end of the game? What were the things that mattered that you took with you? I think one, I think the most important piece of Ornella was Harbeck. Oh um, no, no, I I am. I was <laughs> I was so the the moment that you were like three years ago in a lull, and we and you like set up the, the the like moment that Harbeck and Ornella met for the first time I was so happy I was mm-hmm. that was something that I didn't like realize that I wanted and then when it was placed in front of me I was like snatch cool I fucking love that and so I loved that yeah knowing that knowing their beginning mm-hmm. and knowing their ending mm-hmm. was really I think that was really really important and I think that that really really added to the story as a whole and it made Ornella who she was or who she is. Um, so like like acts of going outside of a like literal chronological timeline yeah. was helpful. Yes. And I think yes. a lot of DMs feel like they're confined to constantly doing exactly what happens next. Yes. And like games can kind of feel like they haven't moved at all. Yes. And actually I've, being transparent on this podcast, I have felt that way uh. about Vikings so far is that I have felt like I have not done my job as a DM uh, to like give right. give reasons to move forward in a way like yeah. we, the game has felt like it's in one spot and that's fine mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's bad I'm just saying what sure. I want in a game 
is I want to, the action to constantly be propelling forward. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it gets to a point where by the end of that first campaign, it felt like we were on a roller coaster yeah. and it was just so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Like you could literally just let go of everything and just leave it all out on the table. And by the end of yeah. those games, it was like, I mean, it felt like a roller coaster because you you yeah. had all these moments of of rising action and falling action. It mm-hmm. was pretty incredible. So yeah, I think a a helpful tip to DMs out there that they shouldn't feel slaves to a particular narrative style. That um, I think you know, look at a movie like look at Tarantino's movies and what he does with timeline and yeah, he's problematic for different the, reasons. Yeah. But the best like, parts are his dialogue. That's what he's known for is right. that Tarantino dialogue. So you like a good slow burn scene. Because then by the end of it, that's such a ripe fruit that you get to harvest and like, man, remember when that whole thing happened and now we're here? Right. Well, mm-hmm. he sets up these complex relationships that have all these layers of history and that's what... Yeah. The, yeah, deep conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. Tim, what uh, mm-hmm. to to throw a question your way, yeah. um, what did it feel like playing... Uh, so... I think anyone that listened to that show, and if you haven't listened to season one of Dwayne and Dragons titled Awakening, we're on all major streaming platforms, so check us out. Because uh, th- that's kind of what this conversation has turned into, and I'm glad for it, because we haven't really had a good debrief to yeah. talk about this. And I want to do one with Jason for sure. That'll be yeah. like the part two to this. But uh, I'm interested to know from your perspective, I saw the game as a story told through the the audience saw things through Ornella's kind of perspective mm-hmm. like it certainly we had episodes that were more focused on Harbeck and on Orzok mm-hmm. and then on mm-hmm. Ornella mm-hmm. but I felt <clears throat> overall the narrative was structured that she was sort of Luke Skywalker yeah it was very Ornella flavored yeah, yeah. And Harbeck felt to me like a lot like a Han Solo, like a really important, necessary character, but so a character I, I would that the say story happens Orzok was with. Han Solo. I would say I was the Obi-Wan. Oh, for I sure. I think that Definitely. in the, the hero's journey archetypes, yeah. Ornella's the hero and I am the sage. Yes, right? definitely. For sure. So I definitely saw my, I put myself in that role when I was playing. Oh, that makes yeah. so much fucking sense yeah. to me. Orzok is totally Bing. Han Solo. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my dick is so hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, but yeah, that's, sorry, no, I interrupted. That's, I think no no, 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 no. But can you like kind of expound on that more? Like, what? How did that? How did that feel to play? Yeah. Like, did that feel weird? Um, no, not at all. I loved it. I mean, I, f- I for me, getting into the character was like being able to do that voice because I love doing characters <laughs> in improv, and I I like to do characters through voice a lot. I feel like I choose physicality, maybe second or third, but always try to start with. Some kind of inflection, some kind of accent or something, something in the emphasis in how I'm delivering my words to change who I am. I feel like like language specifically is a great way to do that, like shape shifting magic, especially on a mic, right? Like it's there's only one way we're getting the information. So mm-hmm. being able to vary your pace, your rhythm, your intonation, all those things and, and getting getting the chance to just do a fun voice. All of the choices that I made as Harbeck, the first thing I thought about, what would be fun to say? Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> he did have that vibe. Like yes. a very jovial and Super. free vibe. Mm-hmm. Well and that's good too. I was def- I definitely wanted that. And I think that for me my arc was kind of getting out of that jovialness and as like the world got darker, Harbeck got darker. But he I think from the beginning I think that for people like Harbeck and characters like Harbeck, like the Sage, they're motivated by some kind of 
overarching, overarching principle, some ideal, mm-hmm. some like platonic ideal that exists, that is real, that exists, but it's just in like a higher plane or a higher dimension that, you know, we try to bring down into this world of muck and evil. And so even though the world got darker, Harbeck changed a little, but he only had to in order to meet the challenge, but he kept that part of himself that remained faithful and that remained steadfast to the goal of like being a good person, trying to help Mm -hmm. people, you know, whether that was the guild or just, you know, him and Ornella or later the group and then the army and then the renewed guild, all those different shapes it took that one constant was, this is what all this is about. This is how these people are forming around me is this thing that's beyond me above me that I'm just a servant of. And so I feel like if you're going to tell a story, you're going to do the hero's journey, you got to have the hero, right? Mm -hmm. But then you need those other archetype parts in order to get the wheel spinning and get that full turn of the arc. And so I loved being able to play that like kind of assist support role where, and that's always, I think, a, a, a trope of the sage is that they almost know that it's a story that like they know the hero is the hero. That's why they're spending the time and they know that the hero will do heroic things and so there's always that kind of wink, glint in the eye, sort of like, you're going to do great, kid. Just hang in there. And I love having a character that like believes in someone else and doesn't have to be the one who does it, yeah. but just knows, just knows, knows for sure that like, I'm right about this person. This is going to work out. I don't know how, but I believe in something. There's some of this that is not translatable necessarily to just anyone's D&D table because we certainly gear the games we play to the ingestion of others like Mm -hmm. you just that's just the byproduct of wanting to do a show Mm -hmm. is that it's it's for you but it really it's also for someone else yeah but I like uh, the instinct to uh, be a generous player like they talk about in improv being a generous partner and, and giving gifts yes so like the more you can do to give other people at your table yeah. ways to look cool. The better the whole thing is. Yeah, yeah. if everybody's doing that, <laughs> I mean, really, I think that's what made mm-hmm. that show for me one it. of my favorite games I've ever played because it was such a, like everyone at the table had this unspoken agreement that we were going to make your back. everyone else look really cool. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. That's so funny Supporting moves. that you say that like, all along, Harbeck like knew that Ornella was the one because Ornella like didn't know. Even now, doesn't yeah. feel and like she was the hero. But that's the hero's journey. The hero doesn't <laughs> know they're a hero, and that's kind of what makes them great. Yeah, I really wanted that first show to be like a like totally a throwback to those classic heroic mm-hmm. stories that yeah. we all grew up loving, like mm-hmm. the Black Cauldron or yeah, um, like the Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Become the of- hero you always were. Mm-hmm. You know. That, that it's it's part of what everyone goes through, right? That like we can't really see ourselves totally. That's why the hero's journey is a great metaphor for all stories. Like that that was Joseph Campbell's idea that there was this thing called the monomyth that really all stories are just one story. And that includes yeah. the stories we tell ourselves about who we are mm-hmm. and like what I'm going to do today and who I am in this world mm-hmm. and like all those things. So it's it's funny that we, we get to do it so faithfully and that I that's why I enjoyed it is because I that sage role you can kind of step out of that and get a bigger picture of the arc and like you you have you just you can't really know until it happens but you just have that faith idea that like it will wind up there that you will be the hero it will mm-hmm. work out all the all that stuff um 
what were we talking about before that? Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got off on a real tangent. No, no that, that was, was great. Beautiful. Uh, I, I, I mean, really, that's what I wanted to <clears throat> do today was to you both have such unique perspectives. Oh, supporting on this. each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was. <laughs> sorry, I <laughs> wanted to say like, something on that because that's that's really important. Is you were, when we were talking about the differences between like the tabletop and the stage and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that is that is a big one, and that's a that's really what makes improv, I think, unique and great. Is in any ensemble work, if you want any kind of teamwork thing to work, I got this piece of advice, and it's one of those things that goes around like every improv community. You hear it probably in every city that like instead of you know looking after yourself, that's one person looking after one person. If you're looking at after the other three or however many, and everyone's doing that then you have three people looking after you. So you have three people invested in you instead of just the one you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's for everybody. You know, So it's, it's ex- exponential. You have more people invested in more of what's happening than just the one tiny piece that you can bring to it. Well, I, that's selfishly one of the reasons. Well, it's not a selfish thing, but I, I really like and get a lot out of being an improviser in Des Moines. Is for sure. That there's such a... I think people can debate about uh, any artistic scene and how there are personalities and like the the age old thing is <laughs> yeah. like well there's drama in the drama club <laughs> yeah. fucking surprise yeah and that happens anything creative yeah. right but uh, I I really that's why I like improv so much and I think that's why I like D and D so much is because it is by default a collaborative endeavor yeah yes. group storytelling it you is you literally have to be a team player yeah, yeah. you yeah if you're selfish then you're then it's going to go badly. Right. Yeah. And that's why I was really nervous about that part uh, in the story where Harbeck goes off on his own because that's such a, like, fuck you to the rest of you guys, you know? It's like, I'm going to tell this story on my own shoulders. I got this. Don't worry about it. You guys take a break. I'm going to quarterback this one, you know? And I never felt like that. Yeah. I never felt like that was that That was that never move. my intent, of course, but, like, it can definitely be read that way, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. Um, but that, but that is the risk, right? Is that I'm losing support by, by making that choice. But I, that I think was what I wanted was the contrast of like, this is what it feels like when it's just one person. Mm -hmm. Right. And it it sucked for me, you know, it sucked for my character. Well, I I think I have decided here and now that I want to do another one of these, but I I want to tailor it specific to the show and do like a director's cut commentary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Would be kind of fun to get everyone together and drink beers. And like if I could put together like a highlight reel of like some great quotes and stuff, (laughs) I think I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much from that then, because I think we've I've just decided here that I want to do that. Sure. So we're going to do it. But. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break and eat some pizza, Tight. and then we'll come back and we'll answer audience answer questions. questions. So, okay. uh, everyone, uh, the, the recording's not going to stop, but just know that we're leaving and we'll be right back. And we'll be back. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. Hi there. It's your dungeon master, Paul Privatira. I want to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, DSM Foundry. DSM Foundry is your one-stop shop for cool art furniture pieces customized to your specifications. They have glassware, metal, and wood pieces available for you to design your own personalized gift with their custom engraving and etching tools. So make sure to check them out at dsmfoundry.com. They're a great local small business, and we'd love to have you make your next custom art piece there. Again, their website is dsmfoundry.com. Now on to the episode. Always. 
Canadian <laughs> drinks a total pussy. <laughs> I love him. I l I have this whole this whole setup every time I play. Cute. All right, we're back. We're, we're back. here, and we're here to answer your questions. We're back. Um, got I got some questions for you guys. So, if they're specific to one of you, I'll interrupt. Tim will interrupt. Tight. If it's for both of you, Tim will we'll take answer. Up all the talking. Yep. <laughs> so I love this working dynamic. <laughs> so the first question we have is from Matt Still. Aww. Matt Aww. Still Aww. writes, "We have seen two different ways to play D and D. With what we have seen two different ways to play D and D with Viking and Awakening. Is there another way to play D and D that you would like to see?" So I think the question is like are different there, kinds of systems. Yeah, are yeah. there other games? Do you guys have any games that you would like to try? Three like five. Three five. Wow, really? It's just like so old school, and I hear all about it, and I want to try it firsthand. Wow. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> I was not expecting that answer, but that's neat. All right. <laughs> three five. Three five. Yeah, that's a good one. Tim, uh, I would like to try a game of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, me too. That's also me. I, I like that system. I like those mechanics. They're very similar to what we're doing with Mothership. They have like you know sanity meters and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um. I don't know. I like that. I like that niche. Uh. Okay. Then the next question is from <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Is from a big fan, Paul Privatera. Who that? I, I actually wrote a bunch of these because I wasn't sure if anyone would ask questions. Right. <laughs> so this sh this question is from Paul. Hmm. Paul asks. Albert, in the show Viking, seems like a very deep and complex character. Mm. Are there parts of him that are reflected in you as a person? Larger question, how much of a character is representative of you? Do you make conscious choices to avoid parts of your personality in a character? Well, Paul, that's a great question. Uh, thanks for <laughs> listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, First time I mean, caller, I mean, long time listener. Yeah, huge fan. Love the show. Yeah. So I think the Aww. answer is... Um, that, you know, it, it, it is me, right? Like, this is something you learn in improv that, like, yeah, I'm doing a character, but that is me there, you know? Mm -hmm. you We like to pretend that we can be other people or, you know, that, like, I'm, I can totally change or whatever, but you can't. There are, I mean, there, there are certain constraints. There's your physicality. You know, there are things that are, like, biological to you that you can't alter, really, or have very little control over. But even when you're talking about fantasy and creating a character or writing a book... You are the author of that, so all of it is you. Um, so even like the the last question there of like, are there parts that like I try to avoid being myself? Well, I, I do that in my daily life, and that's also me. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh at that. Sorry, but I mean it, I'm a funny person. Uh, but that but that's it, right? Like, yeah. You can't you can't not be you. Yeah, and, you really. I mean, it's just sort of inevitable if you're playing it honestly. And, mm -hmm. uh, even if you're not playing it honestly, right? Even <laughs> if you try and lie to yourself, the lies that you make are also telling of who you are. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even trying to play something like completely different, maybe demographically, you know, if I was to fill out the SAT identity bubbles differently and pick a different character, I, I, it would still be my brain my my personality or whatever you want to call it that that comes through ultimately that that worldview. So yeah, uh, I'm always me. It's just different me's. <clears throat> that's that's I think that's really true. That that last thing you said. I'm always me, but I'm different me's. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I know this question wasn't directed towards me. No, please answer. No, pull it, Tim. Please. Make this yours. If I was Albert, I'd be better. Oh, you would be better, (laughs) like, (laughs) just a better character, more interesting, Um, hotter. I forgot that part of the question, too. H-A-W-T-E-R. Yeah. H-A-W-T-E-R. I think for me, the parts of me that that really are me that are in Albert are, like, the the sarcasm and stuff. Oh, definitely. The quick. Yeah. Albert is so fucking quick sometimes. Just to shut you down. Sometimes I can't tell, actually, if it's Tim addressing us out of character or if it's Albert. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I have good. this working theory that Tim likes to play characters that are mean to me because <laughs> I think that Tim actually hates me. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that. I promise. I, I actually do want you to keep thinking that, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll never stop. So. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a really true thing, right? It's like, what? what's your problem, right? And then we get to explore that. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? yeah. What is your problem? Yeah, that, we should go back to that question. What's your deal? What's, what's your, your deal? Problem? What's your deal? <laughs> I'm, yeah. Okay. But it, well, were you um, were you in the process of answering Tim's question, and then Tim interrupted? Yes. <laughs> um, the there's a part of that question that's like, what are the parts of you, or do you? Can you read the last part of that? No, question? that's fine. Um, <laughs> how much question. of a character is representative of you? Then there's another yeah. question: Do you make conscious choices to avoid parts of your personality <laughs> in a character? That is a really Rad question. Um, Thanks. It was me that wrote it. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot that it was you that wrote it. (laughs) I'm very forgettable in that way. Yep. Um, I think that I, when I first started out playing D&D in the first season, Mm -hmm. I was like really hesitant about, I wanted to be, I wanted to play somebody that was like totally not me. Because I was like, that's, if I'm going to, I'm gonna go go big or go home, right? So I'm gonna play this character that was like totally not who I am, and so I tried to lay into the parts of myself that I don't necessarily like about me, um, and I tried to put those pieces into this character and make them make the pieces that I don't like that I like the least about myself make them the character's strong points. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, kind of a way to play against type. Yeah. And I don't know if I ended up doing that, uh, but I mean, that I, was that that was my thought process going into that. I think that a would be bit. a great when you know we've we've decided over pizza that we're gonna do a, a Des Moines and Dragons Awakening director's commentary. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that would be a fun thing to ex- like explore that a little more. Yeah. I think it would commentary. be great to just seriously yeah. do like a, a a commentary, listen to however over many hours, and just record the whole record time. Record us talking over yeah. us talking. Yes. Oh my cool. yes. fucking god! Don't even tease. <laughs> that would be a lot. So it's sixteen episodes times three hours. Yeah, some of them are longer. Some of them are longer. Some of them are shorter. Yeah, true. Most of them are longer. Most of them. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, yes. Next, but like three or four days, we can do it. Next question comes from up down here. our <laughs> cast member of our sister show, Tidefall. Uh, comes from Chris Tedford. Ah, I love Tedford. Love, love Tedford. of my life. Uh, Chris Tedford writes, what was it like bringing Jason into Awakening? Hmm. Oh. Having spent a significant amount of time already establishing characters and group dynamics. I was so mad. 
I was so mad at first. I was like not into it. Yeah. I remember, I, I'm serious, and but I was like, I'm going to be supportive and I'm going to go into this with an open it's like, mind. This is Paul's friend and it's yeah. going to be weird. No, exactly. I was like, Paul and him have this dynamic. I have no idea who this guy is. What if he's lame? Yeah. What if he's I a huge that. cocksucker? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, that is a thing that happens in creative endeavors. Like, guys, this is my bro, Tad. Yeah. Tad is rad. Yeah. You'll love Tad. And, and then, then everybody fucking rad. hates Tad. Yeah. I do not know anyone rad that is named Tad. <laughs> oh, my God. But we do call Jason Rad Dad. Right. We do, because he is a rad dad. He is, he is a rad, so, rad dad. But then, so I remember when we, you and my, you and I, Paul, went to meet him. Oh, yeah, because we had, uh, we had uh, beer. Did we meet at 515? Yeah, we met at 515, and... Like immediately, we walked in and we sat down. And Paul, you were like, "This is Charity. She's," and <laughs> that's a great impression <laughs> of me. It's like it's like I heard, was hearing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jason immediately did the thing where he like grabbed my upper arm, like between my elbow and my shoulder, and was like, "It's so nice to meet you." And it was just the most genuine greeting I've ever received from anybody. And he was like, "How do you know this?" Fucking gay wad, Paul. <laughs> cool. Yeah, a lot of homophobia. Yeah, it's <laughs> very overt. It's, yep. But I, I, like, I, I, I'm really glad that Jason's not here because <laughs> I would not be saying this in front of him. Oh, that's um, sweet. But I fucking I loved Jason from the moment that I met him. Oh yeah. And after we met him at five one five, and we recorded with him later, not later that day, but later in mm-hmm. life. Uh, I was just, I was so excited to record with him and I had no idea what he was going to bring to the table. I was like, oh, he's a, he's already a huge personality. Yes. He's been playing games for like a hundred thousand years. Yeah, like a hundred years. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, can't wait for him to hear this. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to know when he does because my Slack notification is going to, Jason is writing directly <laughs> to me. Yep. Yep. Um, but we and that episode, I mean, the episode that we brought him on was episode episode five. 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 Uh, it was a total turning point for us, and it was. I, I mean, and I think that that was the perfect moment to bring him on. Can you tell that I've been thinking about this question? <laughs> <laughs> um, because Harbeck and Ornella, I I was like, what the fuck? Are we gonna spend the rest of this show in jail? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't know how we're gonna get out of here. So for for the pre- setup, um, if you haven't listened to the Awakening show, you should. You should. But quick, as- quick aside. Yeah. Our main characters were framed for murder and murdering the prince, and were sent to this basically huge, more sank, more sank prison, more skank prison, which was a, a really lame attempt on my behalf to mirror Shawshank. Shawshank. Uh, it's like a big, uh, a big pit in the ground that people were put into. There are no yeah. guards in it; they just put bad people in it, and right? Let... And like duke it out. Yep. So yeah, you got. Yeah. So that sorry. So that was the episode. That, that was the episode that we brought him in, and I mean, we recorded the first like, like the first chunk without him, and I was like, yeah. okay, what the fuck, dude? Like, when are you gonna bring this fella when in? You gonna pop? We're in his house recording this show right now, oh, yeah, and that's he's cool. just sitting here. Uh. So I was like super not into it, and then I was super into it. Right. I got to go back and listen to that now and see when I can figure if I can figure out the moment when you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm into yeah. this. Well, because the 
and we can get more into this in our director's cut episode, uh-huh. but like I'd never played D D before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We recorded the first episode yeah. and it was whatever. We did it. And then we recorded two more episodes with a guest yeah. who brought in like a completely different dynamic and a, yep. a totally no- another huge character, and I was a little thrown off by that. Then we had a huge cast change, which threw me off. And then we had an episode of just the two of us. And I was like, yeah, all right, tight. I'm, t- I'm kind of starting to get in the hang of this. I've, I've like, we've, Tim and I have been doing this the whole time now. I'm like, I'm, gr- I'm good. I'm good with Tim. I'm good with Tim. And mind you, I wasn't even super close with the two of you at that time yet yeah. either. Well, you're still not, but yeah. <laughs> we still try to keep you at arm's length. Yeah. No, but I like. I'm I wanted to leaving. make a concerted effort to... Like, I didn't want another podcast of just a bunch of white dudes. Now, we're just all a bunch of white heterosexuals. But, but you needed some tits on the team. I needed some tits on the team. You brought so you got your, Jason. You brought your... <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think I specifically wanted to find a... Like, I wanted to find a woman to play with so that she... Oh, man, it sounds weird. We're going to clip that, send it to your wife. No, but I I think it's so important that people see themselves represented in the art that they enjoy. And, like, I have a a buffet of podcasts to listen to in this genre that have a bunch of dudes, and I want to get better about that. I want to be more inclusive, and we're going to continue to try to do that. And oh, yeah. I'm really glad that you signed on because you like this whole dynamic was really great. Uh, and part of that is what you brought. So see, if I go on and on about how great somebody else is, Paul will eventually feel guilty and then yeah. tell me how great I am. Mm-hmm. It's that old mm-hmm. school Italian <laughs> guilt stuff that I have. <laughs> no, but long story short. Uh, I this hasn't been short at all. Fuck off. <laughs> um Eat my dick. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'll... Jason is fucking great, and I could not at all ever imagine doing the first season with anybody else. Oh, that's cool. And I, I agree with that. Tim, do you have anything you want to add to that? I never doubted Actually, anything. I'm not done, so I'm... No, you're I'm good. Just kidding. You go oh, ahead. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Gonna die. I'm just. I was just pulling a Tim. <laughs> fuck off, God. It's not funny when I do it. I'm not as cute as it's Tim. It's not is. funny when I do it either. I <laughs> Tim's just don't has care. sociopathic tendencies yeah. and doesn't care. I don't read social cues, bitch. <laughs> I just don't care. But I, anyway. I, I for real never doubted. I for real seriously never was like, oh fuck, what's gonna happen? I was maybe a little worried when we were down to the two of us, just wondering like how things would change, but. Um, no, you know, like Harbeck, like I knew we would get to the end. I knew it would work <laughs> out one way or the other. You know, I, the, the thing that I didn't know was that like people would like this and that it would grow and that, yeah. you know, all this, yeah. these crazy opportunities that we've had because of it. Like, you know, I would have totally been fine if it was just, you know, four of us in a room talking into microphones and no one would ever listen uh-huh. mm-hmm. and that, that'd be fine. So there really wasn't any like serious stakes of like, this has to succeed. Yeah. yeah. How are we going to make this work? I just enjoy doing it with you guys. Yeah. And like the byproduct is we, we do yeah. get to make something pretty cool that other people also like. So yeah. it's a mm-hmm. great additional bonus. I think that's another improv thing. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, we're fucking adults playing make-believe. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah, take yeah. it easy. That's and just... so funny. In typical or typical Ornella fashion, I worried about absolutely everything. Well, you're the, the hero time. all the time. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I got the emails and the Facebook messages and everything else. 
It's you did oh, wow. great. Now yeah. I feel like I really didn't give a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's just but that I gave enough of a shit for the both of us. I think about it all the time, though. I was definitely thinking about it when I wasn't playing, and definitely was invested and wanted to make a great show. Yeah. So you did yeah. I think I, but that speaks to how people play games differently, yeah. and that like people get different things out of games, and that's vital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going moving to, on. Moving on. Um, uh, back to number one super fan Paul Privatera. Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, Love that guy. Love that guy. Great listener. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, what was the biggest personal and emotional change for Harbeck and Ornella between episode one and the finale? Personal and emotional. Or emotional. Personal or one emotional. emotional. Choose one. Can't be both. Yeah. God, that's so hard. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. For Harbeck or Ornella. Why don't... You answer for me, and I'll answer for you. Oh, okay. Ooh, I like that. That's probably easier, right? Because that's the yeah the thing, right? It's like we, it's really hard to stay for yourself. Yeah. But watching other people, you can sh- see how they change. And I think for Ornella, the biggest. What was the question, Superfan? Uh, what was the biggest personal or emotional change for Harbeck right. and Ornella between change. episode one and the finale? The biggest change. Um. I, I think for me, while I was playing, I thought that Ornella's biggest challenge and the, the biggest change that that character would go through would be her um, seeing herself as a leader uh, and like as someone who is, I mean, there's not a lot of other ways to say it. Someone who's a leader, someone who is the one that the world rotates around and doesn't just, you know, doesn't have to keep like bending to the will of other people because they're her father or because they're the queen or, you know, because they're evil and scary or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that that, I, I want that to be the story, I think, for myself. For I, I want to think that that's what Ornella had to go through. And I was definitely playing, I think, that way. But I don't know if that's true. I think there's probably something more fundamental or a more, like, noticeable change. If I think about it, I mean, I think... The, the change for Ornella was the change for charity, and it was the overall familiarity with Dungeons & Dragons. The the ability to, like, play in combat and feel confident that way, to, like, feel like she knows what she's doing with the game, and mm-hmm. to then to start getting loose with it and having fun with the play. You know, getting the rules out of the way, knowing that the check is always going to be a D20. <laughs> you know? Like, I remember so many episodes... And it I, was happening up until like episode seven. Yeah, and then every time I was Teen. like, "This is great. I'm glad we're doing this because maybe because other people are going to go through that journey with you, you know." And that's hopefully the goal of this project was that we're kind of introducing Dungeons and Dragons to uh, a different audience, hopefully, or people who haven't played before. And I feel like more people are playing now because of us, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I th- think I think so. Like I think we can like firmly say that like in Des Moines. There are more Dungeons and Dragons campaigns happening. I think so because of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, alone like your guys's personal campaign with Ted. I mean, that yeah. was because of the show and us yeah. doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Charity, same question about Harbeck. I think that the biggest change, personally, let me just interrupt you. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> personally, for Harbeck was, I think that Harbeck, Harbeck's point of view went from like very small to very, very large. Like I think 
um, like before Awakening had started, Harbeck would wake up every day and think about like, okay, what am I going to do to make Alal better? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm part of the Alalian guild or the guild sector in Alal and I'm going to focus on that. That's all I have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we went along and we, we traveled all over the world, Harbeck, I mean, you didn't really have a choice. You mm-hmm. had to start thinking about these other people yeah, the and bigger these, picture. the bigger picture. I love that, yeah. I And so I think that that would be the biggest change from Harbeck Day 1 to Harbeck Day whatever, <laughs> episode 16. <laughs> More than a year later, I guess. Yeah. yeah, well over a year later. Yeah, so we started in May of 27, of 2018, and the game, the season ended in August of 2019. Oh my God. Nuts. If I can add off that, like what I was saying mm-hmm. about Harbeck earlier, that he's always had that ideal. And I even say it in the games that like he has his center, right? He goes yeah. back to his center. Yes. But even though that picture got bigger, the dot in the middle stayed where it was. And it was always just focus on that dot, right? Like the whole picture is going to get bigger. You know, he kind of lost himself. He went out into the desert for a while and came back to his center. Sold some turquoise. Took yeah. some peyote. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Opened an antique shop. <laughs> I really like um, something that you said just mm. a moment ago about. Thank you. Yeah, you said a really great thing, babe. Uh, me's different me's. No, that I mean one, that, was, that great was great too, too. But this was more recent. You said like <clears throat> this, and not to like brag or whatever. <laughs> I, that is literally all. Like this is, <gasps> it. this is what we're doing today. <laughs> so don't got to get over that. Like I think that another cool part of the show was getting to watch, I mean, you got the hang of it way quicker than I did, but like, I literally learned how to play this game over the course of that season. Yeah, in front of everyone. In front of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you literally, like, whereas many people get the luxury of like learning a thing in private and then taking their performance public, you were performing, um, so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Here you but go. but I think that speaks to how, uh, you know, this isn't really a D and D thing, but I think it's a performance thing. That half of it it's is a life just, thing. yeah, it's just you know being confident and being okay with making mistakes Sorry. and being okay with like it not being perfect because what is yeah. perfect it will never be perfect. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, for real. And Great. you get to enjoy it so much more when you give up the idea you have of what perfect should look like. Mm-hmm. And you can really just like, wow, that was something I didn't even think would happen. That was fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. dude. Oh, there were so many moments like that. So, and like Jason was one of those moments. Yeah. He was a big moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, moving right along. Yeah. So we've got a few more questions left. Uh, how much value do you as a player place on combat in tabletop role-playing games? How much value do you as a cast member place on combat in a performance podcast? So two questions. Combat in just like games that maybe you play just with friends. And then combat as a performance, performative thing. And I think I want both of you to answer this, but I I want to answer this uh, because I think... Fine. Are you answering your own question? No, this is from Chris Tedford. Oh. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I should have... Yeah, I didn't say that. I am answering my own... <laughs> <laughs> serve myself up to softball yeah, yeah. so I can uh, uh, soliloquy about Yeah, you can games. read your 18 <laughs> personal essays about this God, specific topic. I know. Uh, I've seen your Google Drive. Oh, it's uh, it's a lot. 
I think Charity likes to thwomp. If I know Charity playing the, our, our little our our private game with Tedford yeah. as the DM, the the phrase "time to thwomp" comes up a lot with Charity. <laughs> And I do feel like you genuinely enjoy it, and that's awesome. Yeah. My answer for both of those questions is a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, combat is my favorite part of D&D, I think, which is so crazy for me to say because I'm not inherently a violent person. Um, but now you worship the devil and- Yeah, <laughs> in my other game, yeah. Uh, oh, we do worship the devil. <laughs> I forgot. I don't really know who I worship. I think I want to worship the devil. I do. <clears throat> who doesn't? Quite frankly, um, I want to be an evil character so bad. That's what we are in this other game. This yeah. Nice. Game. Yeah. Evil campaigns are hard to run. Yeah. I don't think it started out as an evil campaign. I started out as an evil character for sure, and I I, I corrupted and dragged people to the dark side. <laughs> I really like belittled the good people. <laughs> yeah, went pretty willingly. <laughs> yeah, uh, you did. Yeah. I think combat. But anyway, combat in <laughs> games with with friends <laughs> yes. is important because it it's like. You know, most games, uh, there's more games nowadays that don't have combat than there were before. But for the longest time, the convention was you went and talked and did a thing, Mm -hmm. and you talked and did the thing so you could go and stab and thwomp. Right. And and I think that's if there's, if the game says, I think it's as important as the game makes it to be important. Yeah, Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's like, there's certainly games where conflict is not advised and you shouldn't do it. but then there's games like D&D where con- combat is like a central pillar to the entire experience. Uh-huh. Yeah. So not doing it would be like missing yeah. 60% of the yeah. game. Yeah. I think I, it's like, go ahead, sorry. No, I loved I loved when combat came up. Mm-hmm. And because it, I felt at least like, and it, especially in our, in our private game too and in Awakening, like it always feels like, okay, this is what we do now. You know, we it's like you run into a moment where you're like, Oh, I gotta kick some ass. Yeah, tight. Yeah. Here we and go. I'm, I'm always cool with it. <laughs> my my one beef with it, and and I I go back to this moment in Awakening. It was the first like huge fucking battle that we had with the the Vulfin. Yeah. Uh, and the combat lasted like three and a half hours. Yeah. And it was, it a was slog. Uh, yeah. It was like, but like that's what battle should be, right? right? Is that I'm stuck between the like, it, like it was fucking fun. And it like I felt this like roller coaster of emotions yeah. where I was like I'm fucking tired yeah. I'm stressed and then kill something, these guys yeah and then something would happen and I would be like oh shit yeah. we're back in it you know yeah. mm-hmm. and that was tight but I felt I feel like as from a like a performance aspect it would just be way more dope to like be at the table mm-hmm. you know what I mean yep like, we tried and I don't think we failed no uh, at all but like because we tried to make it as interactive and engaging as we could. Yeah, yeah. there's um, a lot of logistical things. Yeah, but there was a lot of like literally moving pieces right. yeah. that have to happen. And yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, where the like the the part of Monopoly that's fun to talk about is like the overall like narrative of the game that took place and like, well, I was negotiating on blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, whereas blah, blah, blah. like the mechanics of Monopoly and like the act of how the pieces move is really not that no, enjoyable, no. right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of what ultimately mm-hmm. is what the the difference is. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's just I think it's its own level of nerddom. Like people who are history nerds about battles and like battle recreations and stuff. Oh, sure, where there are those people and they like it, and that's great, and that's great. And that's I don't, great. but like I for me, it's it's about 
the story and what that battle means for the rest yeah. of the story. Right. What How are the that stakes story is here? Gonna affect the rest of the like for me, the most forward. awesome part of that battle with the <laughs> Wolfen is that we know that Jason gets to kill the man that killed his father. Oh and hell that, yeah! That finale made made that fight for me. Yeah, you yeah. know. That, and watching Jason play that moment, yeah. was so tight. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but again, that moment existed outside of like actually rolling to hit and then exactly. doing damage. Right, yes. right. So the story made that battle rad. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I the, there's a I was on a RPG blog and this topic were. came up. Whatever, <laughs> dude. I love I, you. I like this stuff. I know. Okay, so I was on this blog. Maybe it was an RPG blog. Maybe it was about skincare. Who knows? Aww. It wasn't. It was about RPGs. <laughs> um, but they talked about how there's uh, a very illustrative difference in this sort of thing that can be seen in Game of Thrones. So before Game of Thrones had a budget, they relied <laughs> on storytelling by using character uh using characters as the modus operandi to motivate plot and to move the story. At a certain point, they got they got Star Wars money and yeah. were like, well, all of these things that we didn't have the money to shoot, well, we can shoot them now, so let's yeah. shoot them. And while those battles, like, I think the Battle of the Bastards is one of the coolest, uh, like- Battle names? It is a great name, but it's also like watching it is a really fun and exciting Mm -hmm. uh, thing to watch. But what they did in the earlier uh, seasons is they didn't have the budget to shoot that stuff. So they would shoot everything leading up to the fight and then immediately after the fight resolves. Because the tension of the fight is really like what happens right. afterwards. Well, like yeah. every Greek play, like they didn't yeah. show the battle. Yeah, they would right, do that right the before. Act break. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So let's left up the imagination what happens or how it goes down. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong in RPGs to do no. like combat, yeah. but I think I think the genre for me is best served when that combat has like narrative right. weight. And if it doesn't, then it's sort of it's fine to have. Sure. There's an expectation for it to happen, but I personally, as a DM, don't find it that enjoyable. I noticed too when we were playing our private game that like I would forget to like uh, narrate the attack and like how it went down or whatever. Because like we we went to Gary and Con and we played that one game. Uh, I forget what it was called now, but uh, blood, oh. blood something. <sighs> Shit. Yeah. I oh, man, I wish I could remember. Damn. Uh, we've talked about it before. I can probably find it. Hold on. Keep yeah. talking. Keep, but keep the, talking. The main, the central point of that game was that if you described how you attacked or like killed your opponent, that you would get like bonus points, mm-hmm. right? That like uh, your your attack would do better or something. Death Death Blow. Death but that blow. wasn't the name of the game. Yeah, but, but that Death was Blow was the mechanic, yeah. right? Um, this is all my shit from everything that I've ever done D&D That's wise. great. I'm so <laughs> This is my Genesis uh, thing. Okay, it's fine. But we would we so we tried that female content. I, I noticed when we were playing our private game that like I would forget to narrate the action because in my mind I'm just like and you imagine for yourself what happened. Like this is the role I missed or I hit. Mm-hmm. Imagine for yourself what happened cuz I feel like that's a better experience than me trying to tell you what happened. I uh I I agree with that and I think we I think we drilled down and we we 
answered that. So I'm, I'm brutal, gonna, brutal I'm gonna, blades. Brutal blades. Uh, that's right. Brutal blades. It's a cool character sheet. Yeah. It's a rad character sheet. And look at this, this fucking cool ass dragon that I drew. And then look at the player. <laughs> Charity is showing us the character sheet for Brutal stick Blades. Figure. A very ornate and well-drawn dragon next to a stick figure player character. Buffalo Wild Spiders. And it says Butt Hunter at the top of the page. Rad. <laughs> Why do I write down some of the dumbest shit? Well, next question is from, <laughs> is from uh, Matt. It's from Matt still. Uh, what do you, oh, this is a really great, this is a really good one. What do you know now about D&D that you wished you would have known during the first time playing it? Um. Uh, let me answer for charity. Every check the rules. is a D20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm going to have to do so much work to this sound to make it, like, not just blow people's heads up when they listen to it. My God, you have the most incidentally sinister laugh. It's really great. <laughs> you fucking monster laugh. I don't sound like that. No, you're right. It got worse. My impression got worse. Um, so, Tim, what mm. do you know? What do you know? <laughs> I don't know. What do I know now that I didn't know before? What I know now that I didn't know before is that, and this is something that we've talked about, it, we've, like, touched on it literally in every answer we've given, but it's fucking storytelling. Yep. It's storytelling. Fuck the rules. Fuck the races. Fuck the classes. That all shit. That shit just adds to the story. Mm -hmm. It's about storytelling, and it's about having fun with your friends and it's about trust and it's about collaboration and it's about learning and loving and eat, pray, loving. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that sounds corny as shit, but like, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about sitting down at a table with a couple of beers and white claws with people that you fucking love yeah. or even people that you just kind of tolerate. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're taking time out of your life to spend time with some people to hopefully make some moments that you'll remember later. So do whatever you can to make those moments special. Don't nice. bungle it. Don't <laughs> bungle it. Or do bungle, or do bungle it bungle and it. revel in the bungling. I don't give a shit. Fuck, I keep knocking Dave Ree's miniature over. Next question uh, is from Chris Tedford. Love him. God, love him. If Cadre 11A were to open a business, what would it be and what would it be called? Oh, shit. Oh! Mm. We would totally have a bakery. Bakery? Yeah, did that come up? Was that... I feel like that's something that we talked about once, was like, what would these characters do? And I think you guys went on a very long diatribe about opening yeah. up a bakery. Did we really? This. I feel like... I don't remember that at all. I feel all. like it was something like that. You asked us one time if our uh, characters were to have a TV show, what would it be? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Actually, good one. I think that was the one where I think Jason's answer was, I would open 
maybe his was I would open a bakery. Oh yeah, he'd open a restaurant. And, but it would be a restaurant where he'd kill people or something. I don't remember. It was something like it started out real, real like real good and, and wholesome, and, and then it was ended like oh, with murder, and then it Jason, he Jasoned it. He Jasoned it all yeah. over. <laughs> Uh, Can you just imagine Harbeck in a little baker's hat and a little yes. apron? It would be cute. With yeah. his little beard and braids? It would be very, I mean, Fuck. we all agree it would be cute. Uh-huh. Fuck. Okay. Why did Ornella end up liking Davery? This is from me. Uh-huh. Aw, this is from you. What did I, I do literally, right? I literally wrote this because I'm like, I don't understand. And in fact, yeah. I played this Why game. Why would ever a woman like me? Well... I mean, in not so many words. Uh, but no, I, I literally, I was playing a game for some Indiegogo backers, and I they more or less asked me that question, like, uh, what did Ornella see in Davery? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I tr- went to answer, and then I thought, hmm. Can I tell you what I think it is? I feel like it was the more that the... Jason and I shit on Davery and like made him to out as like a terrible choice for a partner that made it a better choice for Arnella. That like the more we were like, this kid's awful, he's a fucking moron. Let's get rid of him. He sucks. The more Ornella was like, ooh. He sucks. I liked uh the part of the that part of the arc though where Davery's loyalty was like up in question. Mm-hmm. That was a, a really, really good... That killed that character. Yeah, you guys really did. Would have been sad. But then Ornella was like, wait, you guys, come on. It's my slam piece. Yeah. I want to get that later. Save a piece for me. Gotta get that. Oh, Why do you man. think Ornella likes Davery? Because Davery saw Ornella for who she was immediately. And it never wavered. Never. It was like maybe he, di- he didn't see her as like he didn't treat her differently because of he didn't right. like idealize a fantasy. You sure he really saw Ornella? Mm-hmm. Don't. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, we may like because they look at us how we want to be seen, right? May- maybe that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe. Ornella liked the way that Davery saw her. Hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But also, like, I feel like Orzok liked Ornella for similar reasons as to why Davery liked her. She's a strong woman. She was uh, independent. She was, she was sassy and she's fierce. Um, Very sassy. But Orzok also would put Ornella in her place. I don't really remember where I was going with this. Hold on. No, it's okay. You're comparing uh, possible shippings. It was going to be Orzok, but then- Was it? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. I'm just seeding fan theory. Yeah, now we're going to get a lot of weird fan art. Yeah. Do it, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I did, I'm not- No, I'm, I thought about it. I thought about trying to, like, push that. Mm. <laughs> and I, I think sp- there's, a, there's a conversation there for another day, but a question about how do you- how do you handle um, actions at the table with characters who have whose players have lives outside of these characters, and how do you handle situations respectfully and oh, sure, sure, sure. tactfully so that you don't create? Because uh, like the big Weird thing is tension. having consent when oh, you yeah. play games, and it's always like just like every interaction you have with someone, it's like important to have buy-in and consent. So, how much of that consent is manufactured? 
Whoa. I'm qu- I'm asking. I don't know. You're setting it up. You made the honeypot. You know, you're the NPC. You set up the worlds so that they would bump into each other. Right. Well, but you had you had zero intentions of. I literally named him Davery because it was the dumbest name I could think of. And this goes of. into my theory, where the worse <laughs> we made him, the, the seemingly better choice it was in Ornella's eyes. Well, let's. I think that that one we can take away from and and ruminate on that and answer in a blog post. Yeah. Uh, I'm mad. Good. I love him. <laughs> He's not real. <laughs> Ornella. Ornella. Ornella <laughs> had a lot of very. Ornella did not have a simple relationship with anyone in her life ever, except for yeah. Davery. Well, because every uh, all of the others were presupposed by a lot of like, but this one was sort of presupposed with a lot of like she was the princess of this uh, like noble family. But I think like. The first instance where they met, like at the um, before she got, we met in, in a shop, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and he was all pissed because he recognized who I was, and my boss's daughter. It was hot. Uh, no, but I mean, Let the it, record show. <laughs> your honor, your honor, uh, your honor. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm no, I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, whatever. I'm not gonna let Tim ruin this thing that I have made for myself. <laughs> trying to ruin. Again, Tim hates me, yeah, I know. and he wants to ruin my life. Yeah. He's just playing his part. Um, yeah. but I'm gonna st- I'm sticking with that answer. That a lot, a lot, everything in Ornella's life was very complicated and complex, except for her and relationship with Davery. Davery is very simple. So simple. Yeah. Can I like uh, is a very uh, humble brag one thing that i loved about our show was the inside the the small joke of davery not being able to walk around someone yeah like playing with a bunch of improvisers and yeah. that turning into a bit a game was yeah. like yeah. one of my favorite commit to oh bit. my it was so good yeah. go around yeah, yeah. Yep. Was just I always it made became me and a like, challenge at a certain point. Like, how can I be even madder? Right, exactly. <laughs> and the and the fact that like every time Davy and Ronello thought that they were alone, yeah. Harbeck or Orzok or the both, or both of them were somewhere on a peak watching, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just staring. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. That can we bring that? I want to bring that topic up in the other episode. Okay. Yeah, we'll 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 answer that. Table in the, that for now. Yep. Um, I think the the last question that matters is from the Mister Matters Matt. Oh, still snap! Uh, if you could play any character from Awakening Viking or Tidefall, which character would you pick and why? And you can't pick your own character, obviously. I would play Harbeck. <laughs> why Harbeck? Because you would do it better. No, <laughs> nobody could do it better than you, baby. I don't know about that. He's a pretty stereotype, like. Thing. I would play I, I, I would play Harbeck um, I'm not I haven't played a, any character that uses magic mm. um, oh yeah I've never played a character that uses yeah. magic Ia, Ia uses Ia, Ia is my tiefling character from the other game whatever mm-hmm. um, she has very 
little magic. She's some cantrips. Uh, yeah. And Hellish Rebuke is a reaction, I think. Yeah. And it's not even technically magic. Uh, but I, that, So that's one thing. I would want to play a magic character. Cool. Um, Can recommend. Lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Harbeck is my favorite character. I don't know. <laughs> I'd want, I, I would want to play my favorite character. <laughs> I suppose I should say Ornella now. No. No, don't do that. <laughs> I would not want to play as Ornella. I thought that that character would have been so tough to play because the whole story, it is it is her story. It's like, damn, what am I going to do with this character? You know, I would. I asked myself that question until the very last moment. And that's how it should be. <laughs> you know, you were you were really living in the moment with the character. Um, I wanted to uh, play Varen Toy just so I can see what that fucking spell list looks like and see what them stats are like. Them stats. Damn, and I, I didn't I, think about that. I, I, I wanted about to have a scene, you know, where I could be in that like dark pit and like, you know, speaking with the the evil gods or just just knowing what that network uh, is like. See see what that seedy underground is like. Yeah. Well, I, I think the good news is that we have a lot of reason to revisit that world. So I think some questions can be answered, but even more questions may be raised. Oh. Uh, me personally, I would play Salt from Tidefall because some of my favorite characters to root for in movies are basically characters like Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was uh, a, an option to pick different Oh, yeah, podcasts, yeah. Sorry. So Salt's yeah, great. He, yeah. asks, he asks about Awakening, Viking, or Tidefall. Oh, which yeah. character would you pick? Yeah. And I like Salt because, one, I like Chris's like gravelly voice. Oh, he's great. Voice. Yeah. yeah. And it just reminds me of Dirty Harry so much mm-hmm. that- uh, Oh, Ed. You sounded just like Dirty Harry this then. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, you wouldn't get that reference because you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I didn't know that's what that was from. Ouch. Yeah. I told uh, Paul and I are breaking up tonight, so it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't watch dumb movies, so. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Come at me. Oh, those 80s movies are trash. <laughs> <laughs> Like, try watching uh, Wayne's World now and, like, honestly I laugh. I do. I, I do and I do. Mm. I don't. I am running for president. I laugh. And this is my platform. <laughs> Every child in the world, when they turn 16, have to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Don't tread on me. And learn Spanish. about themselves when they watch that movie. No. Um, I'm honestly, like, kind of mad right now. It's fine. Keep going. I would play Salt or Orzok because uh, I liked uh, <coughs> like you I, like big manly men with big swords and big guns. And it's stuff. part Speaking of, of like manly by men the way, with where's big my swords, gift yeah. for you? Where's my poster? I got you, you. Didn't see it upstairs? No, I didn't see it. It's like in our dining room. Oh, oh my god! Yes. Uh, you have to show it to me later. Okay. Even though I'm still mad. Uh, it <laughs> may arouse you because it is be warned. It is so powerful and wrought with masculinity. Good, because we all know I'm into that. Because I was like obsessed yeah, with Davery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then last question is from me, but it's sort of stupid. So spend as much time on it as you deem Great. worthy. Perfect. What are your favorite video games and why? Hmm. So I was like, I need to fill time. Hmm. We yeah. already talked about this kind of. Yeah. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Pokemon Snap. Yeah. I like that generation of 3D games. I like Wii Bowling. Oh my god. All right, we got to end this. Uh Eat my ass, Paul. <laughs> I love you. Uh <laughs> So that's that's all the questions that we had submitted. Uh I am committed to doing a uh 
director's commentary though where we can specifically spend the whole time at like complete with complete freedom to talk about awakening and not care about anything else except yeah. talking about that show because I really it's gonna be like seven and a half hours long <laughs> yeah no one will listen to that <laughs> he says to himself smugly uh so that that's everything that I wanted to cover for this like little side mission thing um i guess uh just want to shout out to tim and charity and jason who can't be here but like my i love all of our cast and all the people that participate and help with des moines and dragons now but you guys were my first and so i'll always love you a little bit more than everyone else yeah so get fucked chris tedford (laughs) i'm just kidding i absolutely love you tedford um (laughs) but you weren't my first Oh, that makes me sound like a slut. Uh, I was somebody's first. <laughs> Do you only date sluts? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's <laughs> never mind. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to shout out before we leave? <laughs> listen to this podcast. Listen to this podcast. Listen to, this podcast. Listen to, listen to Awakening. Viking. Listen to Viking. Listen to all of them. Listen to Tidefall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to Last Life. Oh, uh, if you like the shows, rate them on whatever the streaming service Yarr. you listen to them on, because that helps with discoverability, and maybe more people will find it and enjoy it. So, if you like us. Which presumably, if you've you... spent an hour and a half, <laughs> or this listening... is a real vendetta. Yeah, yeah, you should tell us. Yeah, please. You know? Yeah, privately or pers- publicly. You know. Yeah, we like fan art. We like everything. We love everything fan you guys art. make is great. So send it to so us. So good. Yeah. 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 Well, that's been everything from Des Moines and Dragons. This has been an exciting and fun episode two of Player Characters with Tim and Charity, also known as Harbeck and Ornella. Thanks, guys. Bye! Bye. Bye.